This is The Left Wing, and I am Erica of Cocktails and Capitalism. We're joined by Desmond Price of Independent Thought and John Cooper of Counterpoint Politics. So, yeah, just kind of, I want to go over some of the basic details here. This ship was um, was manufactured by OceanGate, this, this small private company that is basically um, there to create joy rides for rich people to go and explore the wreckage of the Titanic. Um, and this ship was not classified for the depths to which it, it went. It, there was, it was not certified by any ship authority. Um, and there was, there was plenty of warning ahead of time that this ship was not safe for humans to travel in. Um, not only was there a an engineer who sounded the alarm early on who said this thing is you know it should be made of titanium but it's it's made of carbon fiber and that is not a safe material to use at those depths so she she sounded the alarm but then as soon as she did that um after she did that this whole group of experts the man's submersible committee or the marine marine technological society wrote a letter um, basically explaining their concerns about this 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 ship. But what did the CEO do who also expired in the ship? He decided to completely not listen to any of the advice, any of the warnings. Um, he did not get it classed. He did not get it certified. He just went forward. And he was even quoted as saying things like, you know, just disparaging safety measures and saying if if you're if you're so concerned about safety don't get out of bed in the morning ridiculous i mean the the hubris here is <laughs> appalling um so and then not only is there an engineer multiple engineers multiple people who know much more about these ships sounding the, the alarm but there's also an employee who said who was a whistleblower who said that basically this is yeah absolutely reckless to go down in here the warning system that they have for people aboard is like a sound warning system where you would hear a little bit before the ship implodes that it's going to implode but you would only hear it milliseconds before it implodes that's not a warning system <laughs> that is just a fucking nightmare that is a horror movie right there you know so and that and what did ocean gate do what did uh, the CEO of this company due to that whistleblower, they threw a lawsuit at him and they tried to discredit him. Um, they, they fired him. It was just, so they've done everything they can do to just crush people trying to speak out to say that this is not something that people should go forward with and that people will die on this mission. Um, so that that is why I think like part of the reason why there is so much like so many jokes being made about this because of the extreme degree of um, arrogance and cockiness about how to go about something like this. Well, you're charging people $250,000 to go down to the bottom of the ocean um, and you're not taking safety precautions. You are MacGyvering this ship literally with, with things, parts from uh, like camping city or whatever that store is called they they were just buying off the shelf components and using those to manufacture this this submersible they did um yeah yeah literally and in a prior 
a prior um, attempt to go down, one of the people who ended up not going down in the ship because they were like, this is to w way too dangerous. They said that th that one component broke and they zip tied it together before they went down. Literal zip ties to hold this thing fucking together. And it's, you know, <laughs> it, wow. at pressures where you are going to be crushed alive. Like, yeah, insane. There was no contingency plan. There was like, so there was no second, um, there was no second ship basically to be able to rescue these people if something went wrong. They left it up to governments, the Canadian government and the US government to have to bail them out if things went wrong because they had no plan for that. The, the CEO even bragged about how he didn't want to bring in seasoned military veterans who had worked on submarines and, and technology like this because he wanted to have young people who were inspiring young young people so young yeah, this, young people who get paid less <laughs> who get paid less and who are easy easy to persuade to say like you know if if they're going to have objections to something that you're doing you can crush those objections no problem if it's a seasoned military veteran who's worked in this industry for a while that's going to it's going to be harder to you know push back against them um so yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should just open it up here. I mean, I have so much more to say about this, but um, what do you folks think about the story? Um, and yeah, yeah. What what are your what's your two cents here? I think that the most interesting part of this story is how big of a story it became. Because at the end of the day, it's not like this was a celebrity. Like it's not like this is a rich guy anyone knew about. Like it's just like some rich guy. And he died in a submarine. And I think it's really important for us to look at why this became such a big story, because there are so many angles that attract so many different people that this just exploded. Like I was at my cousin's grad party and my like uncles who are completely offline. They don't even watch the news. I have no idea how they knew this happened, but they're just talking about it. Like I've only ever heard them talk about sports and like, they're just talking <laughs> about this submarine that we're all joking about on Twitter. And I'm like, how do you even know that? And, and like, it, it's because it just crosses so many cross sections of society where it's like, you have the, you know, the, the class war angle, you know, you have the, it's funny when rich people die scenario like or, or rich people do dumb shit that causes them to die and if for everyone who's like who's getting on their high horse like this is a tragedy blah, blah blah yeah it is a tragedy it's terrible when anyone loses their life it's absolutely terrible that there's a 19 year old um who is in on this because you, you can think what you want about you know billionaires and how they're ethical it is to be a billionaire but the 19 year old yeah. kid didn't decide to be born into a rich family like like you can't blame him yeah. for that and it's terrible that they died at the same time it is objectively funny um when just insanely rich people by their own hubris put themselves in a death trap go to visit a ship which famously 
famously some like collapsed because people thought it was infallible. Um, like like That's there's simple, just so yeah. many levels to the humor of this situation. The CEO saying that safety doesn't matter. That what <laughs> what they were visiting to do it. Um, the, like, like, like the fact totally. that it was controlled by a fucking video game controller. Like yeah. there's so much about this that is funny. And if you can't find yeah. it funny because of the tragedy, that that's totally fine. But like, come on, you you have to admit, just like looking at it from an objective point of view, the all of the classic comedy components here are here, other than them saying, "Well, it can't get much worse." Right before they die, <laughs> like, oh like it, it yeah. really couldn't get much, couldn't get you know any any funnier than that. Really, like if you wrote this in a movie script, you wouldn't believe it. It would be unbelievable, but it happened. Um, and like, there, in fact, there's it's so called much. Ocean Gate. <laughs> it's called Ocean Gate. Like, come on. I thought that was a hashtag. Like when I was first coming across the story, I was convinced it was a hashtag. Yeah. And then I found out later that's the name of the company. And it... <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> so John, when we first came across this story, we were talking about this like a week ago and you and i were talking about again like why did this why did this capture so many people so i i think you and i might have a different take on this i kind of just want to make sure that i understand your take before i got to get into mine a little bit why do you think this captured so many different people like what like what is the what is the armchair psychology to this one well as i said i mean th there's so many angles so we're of course like on the left we're going to talk about like the class war situation right yeah the the average dumb dumb american is going to look at this and be like funny <laughs> like, like it's just as we said it's just a funny thing that happened and it also has the reactionary position to it because you have people on the right who are like i matt walsh had you know Matt Walsh is an evil, terrible person, but damn, does he know how to make a terrible take? Like, I, I, I was like sitting there, like, oh, there's no bad takes on this. If you think it's a tragedy, that's fine. If you think it's a, if it's, if it's funny, that's fine. And by the way, that like debate is like wonderful for people to have. People can feel self righteous, whichever way about it, and that is part of you know why this is a, a lightning rod take. But then Matt Walsh mm -hmm. comes in and he's like. Oh well, we used to revere explorers in this country, and it was just like, <laughs> really, really, like that's your take? Wow. Like, like they Jeez. weren't exploring shit. They paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a tourist trip to the Titanic. They weren't discovering anything new. They were just seeing yeah. something that already happened that we all knew about. What a dumb take! But you know what? Oh I'm gonna God. argue about it because it's so fucking dumb. And like, there's just so much, so many. <laughs> levels of this that you can argue on and you don't have to know anything about it or anything about anything to like get in a fight about it <laughs> but like also it's so ridiculous that the stakes are so low that like it doesn't really matter and so like anyone can put their opinion on this and it's probably right to some extent and it's funny and it's like novel like we this has never happened before as far as anyone knows like it just i think all of these things made it and it, it plays to different generations like there's so, like titanic was the biggest movie ever at the time you know and it yeah. still isn't in the top 10 like there's just so much to this that is relatable to so many people that i think it just like struck lightning you know yeah mm -hmm. yeah i um i have the much worse take so <laughs> oh, shit. let's hear it i think that this is like the true embodiment of media capture in america so I think when you, when, you t when you take into the account that 90% of the media 
or, or roughly 90% of the media in the country is owned by about six companies currently. If they ever together want to come to come into a union and decide that they are going to have the nation focus on a story, they can do that anytime. In fact, they do it all the time. I mean, just think of any story in particular that you want to that captured the national like the national attention. It didn't really have to be any like story in particular because there's so many different things happening in the news all the time. You know, I, I happen to subscribe to certain outlets like, you know, Democracy Now or The Intercept or like Al Jazeera. There's always like really important stories happening around the world that are absolutely worth paying attention to. Erica, you brought up earlier about how in the exact same week you have a boat full of migrants, like 700 plus who capsized, 600 of them lost their lives. I mean, mm -hmm. the media could have very easily had us all focusing on that if they want to. I think that to a degree, people don't want to accept how much power they have over our society. You know, going back to, you know, the 2020 election um, around the time where Joe Biden won in South Carolina, he won on a Saturday prior to Super Tuesday. At the time, you know, Joe Biden had actually lost Iowa, lost New Hampshire, hadn't like didn't win Nevada either. That was his first victory. And over that weekend before Super Tuesday, he ended up doing what they refer to as being like a hundred million dollars worth of earned media over the course of 72 hours and then ended up sweeping Super Tuesday. And when you look at the exit polls from that weekend, most people who went out to vote during Super Tuesday said in exit polls that they made up their mind about who they were going to vote for on Super Tuesday within the last 48 hours. And we saw Joe Biden sweep after only winning one contest in the first like in the first month of February. But you know, I think the media plays a massive role in our lives. I mean, we see it right now with the Daily Wire, for instance, how they are consistently having their entire base focusing on anti-trans issues constantly, every single day. I think their company in particular has whipped up the country into a whole frenzy over it. So I, I look at this story as basically the media coming together and just giving us a distraction because we had nothing else to talk about this past week. And I think it's effective. I really do. I think propaganda works to a degree, getting us all care about these billionaires who, you know, for classic billionaire fashion, overextended themselves, used cheap products on their own device, didn't take safety measures into account, and then died looking at the Titanic. I um, it, honestly, I don't think it should have been a big story whatsoever, but I think it was because everyone decided to cover it because there was nothing else that they wanted to talk about. I mean, well, I'm going to push. Uh, go ahead, Erica. I, I want to push back a little bit about, about some of what you're saying. I mean, I covered the heck out of the story because, <laughs> and I am not a big media outlet. I'm a small anti-capitalist, like social media operator, you know? Um, but the fact that this is like, you're saying, John, so compelling on, in so many different ways, like there, there is the, the intrigue of like, what would it be like to be trapped inside this thing? Then there's also the the like Schadenfreude of like mm -hmm. you, there are rich people that went on a joyride and they are kind of getting what they asked for there. Um, you know, th then there's the the right wing right wing response, like you said, John. Um, that like so there's there's just so much meat on these bones to be able to uh, you know dig into and um, and I think that the the massive interest from the left in this story 
does not come from those media outlets. It comes from, it's like an organic kind of grassroots interest in the story because there is a growing awareness that wealth inequality is so out of hand. It's so out of control that people, when they see people who are rich have mis misfortunes happen to them, they are going to feel some degree of joy, uh, of, of satisfaction there. I, I really think that, you know, part of that is um, an ugly side of human nature. But another part of that is like, what, what, why, why should we not enjoy a little bit of this when poor people are dying all the time because of policy decisions that billionaires are pushing? Why should we not get a little bit of satisfaction out of this news story that is so interesting and so bizarre and such a shit show you know like i i think we have a right to um hear the story to laugh at it to like yes it's sad i'm i'm very sad about the the young kid who didn't want to go on on the trip and was scared of going on there that does feel like a tragedy in my mind but i don't think these billionaires we owe owe them anything and the fact that a billionaire like a, a very, very wealthy person was the person who put, put all of these other people in danger and is why these people are dead. We shouldn't be mad at the people laughing. We should be mad at this fucking billionaire for killing these people, literally. Like that is that is the response that I want to give to a lot of the people who are morally outraged at the um, the kind of uh, the sarcasm, the humor, all the jokes, the memes there there is someone to be mad at here and it is someone who did something so stupid so hubristic that many people died you know and then yeah the whole world is watching and and laughing and mourning and all of these other things and i think that's yeah i mean but to your point desmond i do think that the, the major media outlets are um complicit in in you know focusing on this story instead of other stories and the way that they pitch it is very bizarre. I mean, I'm looking right now at a New York Times article that says extreme travel rescue operations are vast in scale and cost. Who foots the bill is murky. But <laughs> who is going to foot the bill for these people, the rescue of these people when they had zero contingency plan? It's going to be us. It's going to be the taxpayers in America, in Canada. It is, I mean... I don't see any other way that this is going to go down. We're going to pay the collective collective cost. We're going to subsidize these billionaires idiocy, you know? Hey, it's... I am. I, all I'm going to say is that you're not wrong about your critique about, you know, the, about who's to blame here. You know, like when it comes to like the, the end results of this story, I was commenting particularly on the fact that we didn't know that they were dead for five days. But we covered this story mm. in this country for five days, just not knowing, yeah. right? So this is essentially at this point, it's a missing persons case, right? Mm -hmm. How often do missing persons cases happen in America? Every day, every day. But certain ones will get national coverage. Like what was what was the person's <laughs> name last year? Was it Gabby Petito? I think was her name. A uh, person mm. who uh, went around the country with her boyfriend and then they tried to like find her remains somewhere. They couldn't find her remains. Everyone was captivated by this story. One person who went missing. Meanwhile, in the state that I live in, in Montana, there are lots of indigenous women who go missing every single day in this state 
and they have to fight just to get people to even know it's happening. So I, so that's kind of the the crux of where I was coming at with the story. You know, it's like totally. you could, if obviously at the point where you know that they're dead, the story transitions into a different story. But we didn't. But the country was captured before we even knew that was happening. So they were captured mm-hmm. by a missing persons case. And so that was kind of my idea is just like, this feels manufactured to me because up until you knew they were dead, what was the story? Billionaires missing at, at sea? Whatever. I don't care. So so, yeah. so Desmond, here's how I yeah. know. I know is a strong word, but I'm pretty damn sure that you're wrong. Um, I, ag- I agree. Ooh, I agree that the, there's way too much ability of the media to control the narrative in this country, especially as these companies continue to purchase each other and consolidate and all of our media starts to come from one of four different sources. That's a problem. It's a major problem. You will not hear any disagreement from me on that. I agree. I don't think this is one of those cases because I think that this is a special fucking story. I think that... <laughs> All of the things that you just mentioned are reasons why this did get big. Like, like, like it, it, we, we were captivated because it's just mind blowing idiocracy from people that it's like universally okay to make fun of almost universally. And then, (laughs) and then after that happened, you had reactions to that of the people clutching their pearls and being like, oh my goodness, how dare you make fun of this? These are real people who could have died. And it's like, yeah, no, we get that, but it's still fucking funny. And then, like, like there's just so many like <laughs> ways that this captured lightning in a bottle. And sometimes stories just have what it takes to capture lightning in a bottle. I, and I think that this has it. Like, look at the. I, I I think of it like the the Suez Canal boat. Like that boat captured our attention, just being stuck in a canal, far less interesting than an exploding submarine controlled by a video game controller. But like, <laughs> it had a lot of the similar things rich people suffering um idiocracy oh my god look it's a boat it's big and it's in this tiny little canal how how is this tiny little canal that's so easy to get stuck by one boat so important to the world economy what idiots like there's just so much to like these stories that i think that this is a genuine because because you said like erica is covering it it's all over twitter i don't think it's just because uh, uh you know media conglomerates pushing it and if there was some other story that maybe got buried i could buy it but like what else was there like erica mentioned like the the, the immigrants on the boat like yeah it, it's more tragic that they died but like in order for us to really like talk about that we'd have to Think about how we're kind of complicit um, in the fact that they died because our entire country is keeping them out with, you know, with guns, you know, and by ours, I mean, not ours, but, you know, um, I forget what even country it was originally for them. Greece, that's right. Um, I know it was in Europe. But like that's sadness. There's there's a little bit of sadness here, just enough sadness to spark outrage that people are laughing at it. And that's why it has Mm. the special sauce, you know, and I, I just really think that. Erica, what you were saying about, you know, how, and both of you, like other things didn't get covered. You guys got to get outraged about that. And you got to feel good that you're outraged that the, you know, the indigenous people weren't, and you got to say that online and you continue to fuel the fire. And like, it's true, but like that, that's part of what made this story special. I think um, is that everyone could get outraged by it. It was just a looking glass of whatever you wanted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It just, you could, you could, have whatever opinion that that you want about it and you'd probably have people who agreed with you and probably have people who disagreed with you and it was low stakes um and you didn't have to acknowledge anything about yourself and i think that's what really caught lightning in a bottle there i wanted to share with you guys did you guys see that um you mentioned earlier erica they had that alarm system 
did you guys hear like what the alarm sounded like? If it's not no. the sound of whales hitting the boats, I don't know that I care. <laughs> you know that that, is, it, 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 that that was my biggest disappointment is that it wasn't orcas that brought the submarine down because that would have that would have really taken this to the next level. I also wanted to kind of um, turn people's attention to Josh Doss, who is someone who his video went viral on TikTok, um, where he was really challenging people to ask like, why are people making light of this? Like, and then he's saying, you know, don't, don't be intellectually lazy by saying that it's just because these people are jealous of the wealth of these rich people who went and died on this. Um, he's like, there is an actual growing awareness of wealth inequality. And I want to just like read his, his quote here. Could it be that poor and middle-class people see that the wealth that they create being profiteered on at near oligarchy levels so much so that they are being paywalled from the very things that their labor is supposed to provide them, like healthcare, like education. Their living conditions are being commodified to such an extreme level, they don't even know if they can live in the places they grew up in. And all of this is happening at the hands of millionaires and billionaires that are taking too much from what they're not creating. Could it be? I think he he said it so beautifully, so powerfully. Um, and I may be having him on the show at some point soon. So he's he seems like a really cool guy. <laughs> yeah, Erica, you, you bring up a good point there. And I wanted to say it when, when you last spoke, and I completely forgot about it. But to the people who are like, this is a tragedy, don't be making fun of it. I think that you should take a look and go, why are people making fun of this? And realize that it is a release of trauma. So much comedy is yeah. a release of feelings from trauma, you know, and we collectively as a society have been traumatized by this billionaire class. Like there's so much collective pain and suffering that we just got to release. Like like laugh at the at the silly rich person being so dumb that he killed himself in a horrific fashion. Like it's a release of trauma. Like when I when my grandfather died, me and me and my uncles, my cousins, like we're sitting there after the funeral, we're, we're at at the hotel bar and we're getting some drinks and we start telling stories about my grandfather and it was, you know, a lot of them weren't so pleasant about him. They were funny. They were humorous. And that was some mm -hmm. of the most belly laughing, gut wrenching, you know, humor that I've ever participated in because it wasn't that the jokes were so funny. It's that we got to release this pain that we'd been holding on to, you know, ever since he died. And there was value in that. And so it's just to, to the people who are being, you know, pearl clutching and self-righteous about it i think you need to recognize what humor is and, and what it does for people in a positive light it's not always about you know is it offensive or whatnot sometimes it's just hey these shitty people had the shitty thing happen to them and and that makes allows me to release this this pent-up trauma that i had mm -hmm. 